0: Today's scripture reading is from the book of 1 Kings, chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Listen for the word of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the leaders of the ancestral houses of the Israelites before King Solomon, Jerusalem, to bring up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Then the priests brought the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place, In the inner sanctuary of the house in the most holy place underneath the wings of the cherubim and when the priest came out of the holy place a cloud filled the house of the lord so that the priest could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the lord filled the house of the lord then solomon stood before the altar of the lord in the presence of all the assembly of israel and spread out his hands to heaven he said o lord god of israel There is no God like you in heaven above or earth beneath. Keep in covenant and steadfast love for your servants who walk before you. With all their hearts, the covenant you kept for your servants, my father, David. As you declared to him, you promised with your mouth and have this day fulfilled with your hand. Therefore, O Lord, God of Israel, keep for your servant, my father, David, that which you promised him, saying, There shall never fail you a successor before me to sit on the throne of israel if only your children look to their ways to walk towards me as you have walked before me therefore o god of israel let your word be confirmed when you promise to your servant my father david but will god indeed dwell on the earth even heaven in the highest heaven cannot contain you much less this house that i have built have regard to your servant's prayer and his plea o lord my god heeding the cry and the prayers that your servants pray to you today. That your eyes may be opened night and day towards this house, the place of which you said, My name shall be there. There you may heed the prayer that your servant prays towards this place. Hear the plea of your servants and of your people Israel when they pray towards this place. O heaven and heaven, O here in heaven, your darling place, heed and forgive. Likewise, when a foreigner who is not of your people Israel comes from a distant land because of your name, for they shall hear of your great name, your mighty hand, and your outstretched arms. When a foreigner comes and prays towards this house, then hear in heaven your dwelling place, and do according to all that the foreigner calls to you, so that all the people of the earth may know your name and fear you as do the people Israel, and so that they may know that your name has been invoked, and this house that I have built. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Thanks be to God.
1: Gracious God, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you might dwell among us, that you might speak your living word to us, and that we may be the body of Christ, your dwelling place in this place and throughout the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Way back in November of last year, I was fixing the gate on my fence in my front yard. And as I'm doing this, a gentleman walks up and he starts engaging me in conversation. I'd seen him many times before just strolling by, but never actually said hi. This time though, he came right up to me introduced himself, and got right into business. He asked me what I do for a living because he noticed that I wear a particular shirt with a special collar on it. And I told him that I'm a minister, and he shared that he believed in a higher power, and his higher power got him through some tough times, including cancer. But he wasn't a Christian, and he didn't do church. I mean, it's kind of like, sometimes I feel like if if you worked at McDonald's and you told somebody where you worked and they said, well, I never would eat there. (laughs) Might be a little, might be a little, you know, presumptuous or a little rude, but I'll, you know, we're forgiving, we're forgiving. (laughs) This was just after we'd gone into total lockdown And had to cancel restarting our services. So he went on to express his dismay at the churches who were breaking the government guidelines on gatherings. And of course, I nodded my head in sympathetic agreement. But the thing that sticks out from that conversation, though, is what he said next. It's ridiculous, he said. You don't have to go to some building to pray. What's wrong with these people? If God's everywhere, he said... If God's everywhere, you can pray from anywhere. If God's everywhere, you can pray from anywhere. Now, I've heard this sentiment more or less expressed many times in many different forms, and I've even said a version of it myself at some point in time. But someone will say something like, I'm spiritual, but not religious. Or I don't come to church because nature is my church. I spend my Sunday mornings taking a stroll through the woods, and that's where I feel God's presence. Or I believe in God, just not organized religion. Of course, this is disorganized religion here, but the point still still stands. Or I believe in God, I just don't think you have to go to church to be a Christian. Now, while the content of each of these sentences is different, the same idea underpins them all. A physical community and structure is unnecessary for a relationship with the divine or spiritual practice, whatever the divine may be. In fact, these things, these buildings, institutions, and communities are often seen as a hindrance to the authentic spiritual quest. After all, as my newfound friend put it, if God's everywhere, you can pray from anywhere. So why go to a specific place to do that? Now, as tickled pink as I am to gather in person again, I have to admit something. (laughs) Don't worry, it's not anything bad. (laughs) This is not a confession. I have to admit something true. There's a real sense that the Bible agrees with all of these people and this same sentiment. And you have to look no longer than today's scripture passage. This week's reading features King Solomon again, who we heard about last week. The king who took over for his father, the renowned King David. Of course, Solomon is a bit of a mixed bag when it comes to his personal being and conduct and morals. But here Solomon's laying the last, has laid the last brick in the Jerusalem temple. And this is quite a project lasting 13 years in total. And the previous chapters tell us about how much thought and time and treasure went into building it. The temple is the jewel in the crown of Solomon's reign. And for hundreds of years, it'll be the sort of central location of Israel's faith. It's a public project of epic proportions. It's a physical location for the presence of the Holy A house for God, right? So this is a physical place where God will be worshipped. Yet, yet, when it comes to Solomon's dedication speech, know what he says. Realize what he says. Notice what he says. But will God indeed dwell on earth, he asks, standing at the altar? Will God indeed dwell on Earth? Even heaven in the highest he- even Earth in the highest heaven cannot contain you, Lord, much less the house that I have built. Even heaven and the highest heaven cannot contain you, much less this house that I have built. Even Solomon, the guy who literally built a house for God, knows that God can't be contained in a building. The whole of creation can't keep God locked up. God is everywhere and cannot be put in a box or fixed to a specific location, right? And the further prayers he makes acknowledge this too. Hear the plea of your servant and your people when they pray toward this place, he says. And likewise, he continues, when a foreigner who is not of your people, Israel, comes from a distant land and prays towards this house, Here in heaven, in your dwelling place. So in Solomon's dedication prayers, Solomon doesn't doesn't imagine most people physically coming to the temple. He imagines them scattered all over Israel, all over the world. They're praying in the direction of the temple for sure. They're kind of like how Muslims pray towards Mecca, but they're praying from everywhere and no matter where they are, God can hear them and their prayers. So in traditional language, we would say that this is, that God is sovereign. This is the sovereignty of God that we're speaking of. God is a free agent above and beyond our control. God isn't limited by us in any way, let alone being relegated to this or that building. I mean, Solomon's prayer not only includes religious insiders, right? Church people. Or one tradition, it includes the whole earth in prayer to the one God. So this isn't really a newfangled idea. It's shot through the whole Bible. Even Solomon, who spent 13 years and a nation's gross domestic product on one building, knows that. You can pray and you can have a relationship with the divine wherever you are. God is the creator of the universe, the sustainer of all things, visible and invisible, Or if you'd like to put it this way, God is everywhere, so you can pray from anywhere. According to the scriptures, my friend, my new friend, I like to count him as a new friend, I don't know if he feels that way or not, was right. This does, of course, raise some crucial questions for communities of faith like ours. I mean, if God is everywhere, and you can pray to God anywhere, why locations? Why physical communities or institutions in the first place? If God is everywhere, why buildings? Why are we here? Why did we wait so long to gather in person again? If Solomon knew God couldn't be contained in a building, why be bothered with building temples in the first place at all. I mean on one hand fewer and fewer people are co- are engaged in an actual faith community in North America and Europe anyway. And on the other hand, we just spent a whole year without gathering in our church building at all. And some of us haven't set foot in the church building since. And some of us who are tuning in probably have never even been to the physical location of the church, let alone even the Comox Valley maybe. Churches have had Zoom church, stream church, pre-recorded church. And some faith leaders see this as a great thing, as part of a natural spiritual evolution of connection. The pandemic has shown us that whether it's riding the bus with our smartphone or in the kitchen in a comfy bathrobe over a cup of coffee, we can do the, quote, God thing anywhere, anytime. We're freed from the expense, the hassle, and the inconvenience of geography, physical communities, and buildings, and, you know, also the inconvenience of irritating people, right? If God is everywhere, you can pray from anywhere, and it's a serious challenge to us. Now, at this point, I might sound like this is my, like, like the worst stewardship campaign ever. Like I talked to you out of a church and myself out of a job. Look at all these different things we could do. What's the point of this place and this building? And you're like, why is he the minister? <laughs> but that's not what I'm doing. I think that the case is fair, that there is a truth to that sentiment, But, at the same time, I believe, I truly believe in the importance of the gathered community in physical space. When it's safe, of course, I'm not suggesting anything otherwise, but there's nothing like the gathered community. And I believe of its importance because the Bible insists on it. You know, even though Solomon knows that God can't be limited to a specific location, he still built the temple. And why? well while solomon didn't believe that god was boxed in by this building he believed that this was a place where god would reliably show up to reveal his presence and power that god would reliably show up right remember that the sanctuary before they dedicated it was thick with god's glory in the form of a cloud a spirit that blows where it will that this place was where God chose to reveal herself to the people Israel. Sacrifices made in the temple and rituals were a tangible signs of God's presence and God's goodness and mercy, which knows no bounds. It's where you could depend on God to make an appearance that was unlike all of normal life. You know, the ancient Celts would have called the temple a thin space space, between heaven and earth, where the two places come together. God was everywhere, but the temple was where God would show up in a real human place in all these palpable, intensified, concrete ways, a place in space and time where you could point and say, there's God at work, right there. And of course, eventually, the original temple was destroyed, and it actually hasn't been rebuilt. The Temple Mount is a flat place that people continue to fight over to this day. But by the time we make it into the New Testament, we're told that Jesus himself is the temple of God. Jesus is the temple. He's the walking, talking, eating, breathing, forgiving, healing location of God's presence in time and space. Jesus is where you could point and say, There's God at work right there. And of course, Jesus isn't physically with us anymore, but after his death and resurrection, his body, the community of the church serves as his temple in the world by the power of the Holy Spirit. Not just the physical building, but the community that gathers in his name Jesus says where two or three are gathered in my name I am there among them we're the temple of the temple so to speak the gathered community is where God can be depended on to show up mend hearts and even change lives the gathered community is what you can point to and you say God at work right there And think about it, of course we're grateful for being able to gather online when we simply couldn't. It was a godsend in so many ways, literally a godsend. But most of us tuned in and continue to tune in, not because we're blank slate seekers, but because this community had already been for us a temple of the living God. And when we watch online, we're seeing familiar faces and we're drawing on memories of actually being here in this space. We may be praying from the comfort of our own homes, but it's like our text says that our prayers are directed here, right? The ancient Israelites directed their prayers towards the church or towards the temple, and we direct our prayers even while at home in online worship towards the church, For us, it's been a divine dwelling place where we've encountered the tangible, real-time presence of the living God. And if we're tuning in or visiting, it's because we've heard that this is a place where this stuff happens. And it might happen to us. A community where somebody pointed and said, God at work, right there, it's a place to be. It's a place where As a kid, somebody who we barely knew chose to use their day off Sunday morning to tell us that God don't make no junk when everybody else in our lives, even our parents, made us feel otherwise. It's where a longtime friend held our hand and prayed for our dying husband because we couldn't bring ourselves to speak. Where some old guy we didn't know Bought us lunch without even knowing us, other than the fact that we were seeking the same thing at the same place. It's where we handed a bowl of soup to somebody living in a tent, and when we looked at them, we saw the image of God, the face of Jesus. Jesus, who radicalized us, told us that this kind of suffering and neglect simply cannot stand. It's where the waters of baptism dripped down our foreheads and the bald baby heads of our children, and sometimes our our bald adult heads. It's where the gifts of bread and wine were placed in the palm of our hand, giving us a literal taste of grace. It's where somebody looked us in the eyes and proclaimed the profound truth that in spite of it all, we are forgiven. That there is always hope beyond the present moment even after the moment of our last breath for us and for the earth. And it's where we sang hallelujah with a hundred other people in the middle of a funeral. And for a brief moment, every hurt and pain melted away. And we left saying, surely the Lord is in this place. This has been temple of the Lord for so many of us. This is why we need a temple. This is the reason for real flesh and blood gathered church with all of its expense, all of its hassle, all of its inconvenience, and all of its people who drive us crazy. Because it's where God has reliably shown up and will show up again and again and again, where salvation has touched down in real time and made all the difference in the world, not as a place that has a monopoly on God, but as a people, as a physical, embodied, tangible location and community where the transcendent God of the universe is known to reliably show up in the flesh and walk among us. Not so God can be controlled or recruited to our side, but so God might be revealed to all who earnestly and honestly seek. God may be everywhere and anywhere, but it's here where we've met God face to face. And there ain't enough bandwidth in the entire world to take its place. Let us pray. You are the one who lit the spark of creation. You are the one who set the stars in the sky. You are the one whose glory shines brighter than the sun itself. As hard as we try, O Lord, you cannot be contained, hemmed in, or controlled. And yet, Lord, you meet us here, where we are, as we are. And as in Jesus Christ, you have made made yourself small. You have revealed yourself to us in flesh and blood, in this place. We pray that you do so yet again, in this flesh, And this blood. God, reveal your presence move in and among this gathered community, bringing healing, strength, and hope by the power of your Holy Spirit. Make yourself known here so that we may know you everywhere. Dedicate us afresh as the temple of your holy presence, that we may make you known to the ends of the earth. In the name of your Son, the temple of your glory, we pray. Amen.
2: stand for our hymn of the day, God Reveal Your Presence.